Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. And you sure are. And today we're going to talk about raising healthy pets or how come these cats just seem to live forever. You the, ask that every day. The bane of my existence. <laughs> cats you brought underfoot. the first ones home oh, yeah, I said, over and, I, and over and, and over. And I've regretted it ever since. So talk a little <laughs> bit about pets, Annie. You're, talk you're a the, little bit about pets. You're the, um, the pet whisperer, the cat whisperer. Well, first of all... Um, it's, it's kind of frustrating today to really look at how people are raising their pets. And, um, and we put a lot of faith in the products that are out there that are being sold to us. And, um, and we end up with really sick pets. And also the me- medical model, which is veterinarians, has really gone to the dark side in terms of all the medications and everything that are being utilized. So Well, it, we, but it seems to me, I'll interrupt you there for a second. Okay. That it's almost like parenting, right? We have two different extremes of people with their pets. Those who get them and seem to just ignore them and and tie them uh, outside, tie them outside, or turn them loose them or whatever, mm-hmm. and throw a couple of little you know dry kitty kibbles at them sometimes. Uh, and then you get the people who spend literally thousands of dollars right. on these kittens and puppies and and. And I don't know. To me, I'm sure somebody listening is going to go, how dare you criticize? Uh, okay, but I'm not here to do any of that. I well, don't really I, care. I am, so I'll, All right. I'll Oh, you go for it. So I'm not really talking about those extremes. What I mm-hmm. want to do is sort of wade through all the fluff and say, Go into the middle. If we want to have healthy animals, um, there are certain things that we have to do. And they're more nature-based than they are uh, veterinarian or uh behavioral, although lots of behavioral stuff is important. Um, one, one of the challenges that people have today is that they're feeding their pets the same kinds of foods that people, humans, are being fed, and we're feeding our pets and ourselves the same food that's being fed to livestock. And what that's doing is producing asthma, diabetes, kidney failure, not just in ourselves, but and also obesity, because we're all being fed as if we're going to the butcher, and our pets are suffering these same um, malaise. So, so the goal for what we're going to talk about today is really to say, let's just cut away all of the stuff that we've been doing. Let's just look at this animal, and I'll give an example. So last week I met a little tiny dog, um, and she, she was a mess. She belongs to somebody who obviously has the money to care for her however he would want to. And she was dragging her back legs uh, on the pavement, and clearly they were itching. And, um, and she had a lot of loss of hair, and it, especially around her eyes and things like that. And it was clear from my looking at her, she did have uh, fleas. And again, a lot of times fleas... Even if there aren't that many, they'll attack the weakest because they must be the juiciest or something. And um, and anyway, so it was clear that she had food allergies. And he, he said he fed her canned food. And canned food for dogs and cats really should not even be allowed to be sold. It's got all the wrong combination and balance because especially cats need about 99 percent protein and we don't feed that way so this person i i remember you meeting the dog of course any dog that crosses your path or any cat oh it's so beautiful but 
this this guy cared about his dog. It wasn't yeah. a neglect kind of thing. No, he, it wasn't. He, he didn't was, know what to he do. He was worried about it, and right. and this dog was, as you say, a mess. Really suffering. And I did say that uh, several times. Oh, she's really suffering. Because but it never occurred to him that what he is feeding the animal might actually be the, the cause of the problem. Right. Well, there are probably other things in the environment. Um, he also was putting Frontline on her, and Frontline has been proven to be totally ineffective for fleas, and they're still allowed to sell it, and that's the bad part, and the veterinarians are still selling it. So he's giving her a chemical that she probably is, cre- is probably creating in her a toxin, so that's not helping either. But again, I'm not a vet, and I'm not giving medical advice. What I'm saying is let's just cut to the bottom line here. So what what we would want to do with that animal, which is the basic philosophy that I use with any animals I'm working with, um, is to say that animal, just like humans, has an immune system. And the purpose of that immune system is to try to maintain health. And the way that we help that immune system is by creating balance, balance in what we eat, balance in the air we breathe, our exercise, um, and our environment as far as good, healthy hugs and uh, love. And if we have that, then we probably have health. And that is not how the medical model looks at the animals. So what I want to do when I have a sick animal is, um, or even a not sick animals, I want to talk to that immune system and I want to ask it to please come and help me. And so there are a number of ways to do that. But just to give an example, um, so many years ago, <laughs> before you became uh, anti-cat, uh, <laughs> I used to, <laughs> I used to um, take in. I came to that very early in life. <laughs> no, you did not. Um, so when we first came back from living abroad, uh, Catelyn, our granddaughter, wanted to have um, a cat of her own. So we went when they were having an open house to the um, to the cat shelter. And one of the first things for health for an animal is to get them fixed, get them neutered, get them spayed so there isn't any reproduction going on. So they aren't compelled to go off and find something to mate with. And it's hard on their system. And they're your pet. They're not there. Plus, to... there are just way too many of them out there. Well, in that's the other thing. And nobody, especially cats, nobody wants them. So anyway, so that so we went to the cat shelter or the dog shelter, uh, which is the same thing. And um, and the goal was again we would adopt an animal, and then that animal would be fixed before we ever brought it home. And um, so we went, and it was an open house, and there were hundreds of cats everywhere in these cages. And the first thing that uh, Callan did was go right to the cage where. The cat was totally catatonic. I mean, it didn't move. I don't care what you did. Mm-hmm. It was in there with its brother. And she said, that's the one I want. Yeah, she must be related to you. Yes. Let's find the damaged sick I one know. and, and so bring she, it home and yes. care for so it. So she's 10 years old looking up at me with that sweet uh, smile. And she's saying, that's the one, Mama. So the the horrible part of it was that one of the workers was nearby and she said oh you don't have to adopt them today you can t- do foster care and then when they're well you can bring them back or if something happens and you know then we'll provide you with support so of course then there was no saying no because she was determined that was the cat and so we took the two cats because we didn't want to leave the brother of course and he seemed fine. 
Um, but it took about two weeks for her to come out of whatever was going on, and I, I don't know what it was. But um, she, uh, she, we took away her food. We gave her a mixture of um, a number of different things that helped to talk to that immune system, including garlic and wheat germ and kelp and things like that. So we're bumping up the, the minerals. And we also gave baby human baby vitamins. And we took baby wipes and we washed her every day, just like her mom would wash her. So we wash all her little private parts and her face and coo at her and everything. And, um, and in two weeks, it was like she just woke up and she's still with us, and this is 14 yes, years ago. Uh-huh. Nikki. I'm well aware. Yes, well aware. Nikki, who's going And if the- only she would stay silent occasionally. Yeah, well, she's in old helpful. age now. So so but- if, you get a, if you get a very sick animal, because there's very extremes. Like you took in a few cats that had been essentially thrown in a dumpster, and they were on they were death's door. They were so mess. this is the extreme example. So you have a pet that is literally hours away from being dead. Mm-hmm. So what would be the first thing you would do to deal with that animal? Well, the so I'll give an example with the four kittens that we took in from the shelter to foster because then we started fostering kittens. Yeah, but they never left. So that's well, not some, really fostering. Some of them left, but then they also came back. Um, but the goal was to take the cats, that the kittens, that the shelter, it's a no-kill shelter, and they had some they just couldn't get well and they didn't know what to do. So then here comes Annie, and uh, and so we would take them in. And so we took in these four kittens, and they their eyes were swollen shut and bulging out of their head. They're, they had no hair. They smelled horrible. And, um, and in reality, we should have never brought them home. But instead— <laughs> I am you. agreeing with you. <laughs> well, we didn't look. It was Christmas, and we just had uh-huh. them in the little bag that they All put right. them in, and we didn't look. And when we got home, Catelyn started screaming, oh, my God, Mama, they're going to die. Anyway, so the first thing that we did and we would do is to put them in a healing space, a, 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 a safe, snuggy retreat where they're warm— um, so we had a heating pad with a, a blanket over it, and then we also had one of those radiator heaters, and we just mm-hmm. sleep right up against it. Well, one of the things that you've told me before with dogs and with cats is is they tend to approach everything as whatever is happening now is in forever. The moment, in the moment. Is forever. So mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're scared, it's forever. If they're uncomfortable, it's forever. In pain. Right. Yeah, so, so you they, have to give them a reassurance. Yeah. And so that's part of it. And and when they get into that level of fight or flight where they're really scared, um, they shut down their immune system. So it's a, it's a double um, impact. And we don't want that to happen. So they're in the snuggy space. That's where we put them. And uh, we took away everything the vet was doing, which was the first thing that really helped me because I immediately realized that the the antibiotic that was being given to the kittens, um, which is put into their eyes, they were allergic. And so we started feeding them raw food. Uh, we also, so we uh, ground up raw chicken and egg and things like that, um, uncooked. Everything was totally uncooked. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was mostly protein with a little wheat germ and kelp, and they ate it like crazy, even though they couldn't see, even they were just blind from their eyes being swollen shut. And then we had something we called VitaSup, which was a mixture of vitamins and different things, and um, and we, we fed that to them. And then twice a day, we gave them a bath with the baby wipes, 
and gave them baby vitamins, human vitamins, and we held them a lot and cooed and um, carried them around and just like they were a baby. And every morning I was afraid to go in there to see if they were dead because I was confident. I was absolutely confident that they were dead. And when you talk about feeding them raw food, I know your philosophy in this is what would they be eating naturally? That's you know, right. In nature, they'd That's be right. eating a dead bird maybe, a mouse, a mouse or, um, a or a, a dog might, might be eating whatever they, they find. Mm-hmm. Um, and there may be a little bit of grain in that because the mouse or the, the rabbit may have eaten some grain. Right. So if you think of the size of the stomach of whatever that animal would normally eat, that would be the amount of grain that they would be consuming in the wild. Mm-hmm. So, But it's mostly raw protein. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't go to Burger King in the, in the, in the wild. So, so anyway, um, we, over time, they started to get better. And, um, and then I found um, a different vet, and uh, I went to that vet, and they gave me a different medication for them. And, um, and so they got better. Well, but one of the th- you're talking about feeding them raw food, but I've heard somewhere, I think, that some of these very – nationally known brands, often the food value within them is almost nothing. Is there is there food that you should avoid, things you should avoid feeding these animals? Well, there's a lot of discrepancy. I mean, if you have the time and the energy and can feed raw food, that would be the ideal. But if you have a sick animal, you absolutely should be feeding raw food until they're well. And one of the things that you can do if the animal doesn't really want to eat the raw food is you can have the raw food in a little um, center like a donut and then put the food they're normally used to uh, near it. So each day they have to have more contact with the food that they didn't want to try. And over time, they'll begin to eat that raw food. Okay. Well, you're listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you that it is the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. And thank God. So today we're talking about um, keeping your pets. And by pets, we're mostly focusing on cats and dogs. That seems to be what most people have as their their little cuddly schnookums, uh, their pets. <laughs> but um, could be other animals. I mean, people have well, rabbits like ferrets and ferrets. And, and, rabbits and, are wonderful. We had a rabbit know, in uh, Cougars in and things like that. Well, let me <laughs> – Cougars. No, I don't, I don't even want to go there. But uh-huh. So I want to talk about some other remedies, but I was going to talk about the Vitasup um, because I think Vitasup is a, um, a really, really helpful uh, remedy if you have an animal that's undernourished or is ill and struggling. And it really contains a lot of interesting things. So it you're looking for healthy crude protein and crude fat and crude fiber, calcium and phosphorus. So we would have a yeast power like brewer's yeast or nutritional yeast. They're not the same thing, but they have a lot of healthy um, components. And kelp powder, which has a lot of minerals, uh, really powerful minerals. Well, when you talk about Vitasup, is this something you're putting together this or is, is something this a I made. No, it was okay. something I researched. So. Annie's Vitasup. Yeah, so, but so I don't sell it, so don't I know, ask me I know. for but it. So if you're making notes at home, uh, these are the ingredients. Yeah. Right. And, um, and so it has wheat bran, lecithin granules, bone meal, vitamin C, and garlic powder. And um, 
and and it really has a powerful impact. And the animal loves it, though. They love garlic. They love kelp. Well, how do you feed it to them? You put well, it on their food? just put it on the food. Like a dusting? Yeah. You could, if they were really sick, you could um, make a broth with it, um, uh, like a tea, and then um, put it in a needleless syringe and put it in the pocket that's in the side of their mouth so they would have to swallow So now it. if you've mixed up this little powdery mixture, mm-hmm. let's say you have a, a smallish, medium-sized dog. How much would you be feeding a, a, a very sick animal, you know, in their food? Um, well, it a would tablespoon, depend. I, well, cup? probably not quite that much. Maybe, maybe two teaspoons or so. All right. So when you feed them... In, you know, just sprinkle that on. Right. And, and I don't think you could hurt them by giving more. They, I don't think there's anything in there that can. I know there's nothing in there that can hurt them. And if they're if they're relatively healthy, let's say they recover, there's no reason you couldn't just continue if they like it to to give them some like a vitamin supplement. You could, you could, okay. um, just to be sure. And especially if you're going to continue to feed canned food, canned food is full of, um, I don't know what you would call it, entrails. So like kidney and yeah, heart the, and things the awful. like yeah and the if awful. you think about the the um what an animal would eat in the wild they really wouldn't eat that much of that and sometimes they don't eat all I know of it. our cats leave it right on our front doorstep which is well, awfully nice they're them. they're there to show off so okay well it's sticking with the vitasup thing because i know oh. you know if i'm listening to this i'm thinking okay i want to put this together. you've got a little booklet that if somebody's interested in that they can contact through the BlueRockStation.com website right. and, and get that if, if they want to pursue it deeper. So right. don't feel like it tells the proportions and how right. you would mix that and all well, of that. Well, it does talk about the fact that it's a half a teaspoon per 50 pounds of dog. Right, but I'm and thinking how much garlic you would add oh, versus yeah. how much yeah. of the nutritional yeast and things like that. Right. So so let's go on and talk about Bach remedies, Dr. Okay, Bach let's. remedies. Um, they're one of my favorites. And so when we were living abroad, uh, we had brought our cats from, um, as you like to say, the two most expensive cats in the whole oh, world. I don't even world. want to get into how much these cats ended Okay, up well, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Bach cats. remedies. So one of the things that I learned about um, it, when I lived in England was a lot about different remedies, natural remedies from medicinal plants. And so I learned a lot about Bach remedies. And Dr. Bach was a German physician who discovered that if he took certain blooms, uh, flowers from different kinds of trees, that it could impact different um, balances in the body. And so when our cats were going to come back to the United States with us uh, on the plane, Um, we gave them, instead of giving them some kind of a tranquilizer, we gave them three different Bach remedies. And these Bach remedies, which are rescue remedy, uh, which contains several different blooms from trees, and larch oil, which larch is a tree, so a bloom from larch tree and walnut tree bloom Mm -hmm. and walnut oil. And uh, we gave three drops each of those in water every day to the two cats. And uh, for about seven days... And you don't give more because it won't do any good. It doesn't change anything. And what that does is it creates a balance in the nervous system. So they're calm. They feel more confident, which is what you're looking for. We don't want them to be scared. And, well, I know you wouldn't care if you'd like it if they were scared and no, leave I'm you alone. I'm not cruel about it. I just want them to be somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Then they would go away. But anyway, Then I would be calm oh, <laughs> with no Bach remedies. That's so sad. Necessary, so. 
Anyway, so so when we brought them on the plane, they were in their little carriers, and they never complained or cried. And when we got to um, immigration, I was really afraid they would escape because they, when they had to be away from home, they were very feral. If they had to go in the car to the vet or anything, they would, you know, get sick and throw up and stuff really badly. And they were fine. And when we came to the States, we had to be in a hotel for a couple of days, and I had brought their potty boxes and a little kennel thing and they stayed in the bathroom and and they were still getting the Bach remedy and they did not uh, cry. Uh, Cats can get and dogs can get mange. Um, Mange lives on everything, uh, including us. It lives on carpet. It's, uh, you know, a, a nasty little thing. But the only time it really makes itself known is when there's an imbalance in the system. And so our cats had gotten mange several times um, when they were upset about having and to go. And that's mostly brought on by stress, right? Their yes, immune system Yes, absolutely, because the immune drops. system shuts down. Because the, the term mange, I mean, we hear that, mange, you mongrel. You always think it's a, it's a dirty thing. It's, a, it's, it's like It's by, because they're not kept clean. Yeah. But this is basically a skin disorder that just manifests itself. It's a rash, itself, but it's little. But they're, it's they're brought biting on by you. stress. They're burrowing into the pores in your skin, yeah. and uh, it itches like crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, it's not going to kill you, but it's not nice. But for the animal, it's really horrific because they lose their hair and they're itching all the time. And um, so so that's the one thing I wanted to avoid was bringing on the stress of the mange again. And we were fine. They they were perfectly fine. Well, speaking of that, that's one one issue that address, you know, that that pets suffer from. What are some of the other common things? Well, let me just that, say the cure around mange. So okay. the, the difference between naturally dealing with mange and dealing with the veterinary model. Oh, that's right. You had a trauma with, with the yeah, I did have with a, the vet. <laughs> who, who gave me a bad time. Uh, but so if you use um, a combination of um, um, acidophilus, which is the bacteria, the probiotic bacteria that's in um, yogurt, mm-hmm. but it's also in a lot of other things. Anyway, and you buy it as a capsule or as a powder? I, yeah, I buy it as a powder, like baby dophilus or something like that. The reason I buy it in, as a powder and not in the capsule is so that I don't have to keep emptying all those capsules. Right. And then you rub the animal down with it. Um, if it's a really bad case uh, in a lot of area, then you could also take diatomaceous earth, and um, you could alternate between the two. Don't you sometimes mix it in with, like, coconut oil or something like that just to put that on I the skin? I have, but tea tree oil would be what I would use Isn't that a little coconut. harsh, though? No. No, because there may be abrasions because gotcha. the animal has scratched so much or is just so badly infested. Um, plus, the coconut oil is super healing and would encourage the hair to grow back. Um, so, so there are a lot of wonderful natural remedies for these things. But just let me say that if you go to the vet, uh, the vet is going to give you an antibiotic. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what else. It's been a while since I had to deal with vets in this That's kind of stuff. That's the cure-all for almost everything, okay, right? But here's antibiotic. The, but here's Stub the thing. my toe. Here's an antibiotic. Mange. <laughs> mange can go on and on and on and the vet will say it might take a month or two months and the acidophilus in and of itself will take the mange out in about three or four days right 
So what didn't you experience where one vet was like what using lye or, or say it was some no sulfur sulfur and so it's deadly sulfur. yeah it basically deadly. killed most of the animals yeah well part of the problem is that when an animal gets mange their immune system's already compromised so it's not stepping up to the plate and that's why the mange takes over it's there all the time but it's held in check. And um, so the real problem then becomes that you put sulfa on, especially a puppy, or uh, yeah, that would, it that would burn, them. wouldn't it? I don't know what it does, but I know mm-hmm. that the people at the um, animal shelter told me that many, many puppies had died there when they were told to dip them in a sulfa bath. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we only got a few more minutes here, but what are some of the other common uh, ailments that you might run into and, and cure-alls? Well, let's just talk about old age since we only have a couple of minutes. Um, what? Can't hear you. One of, no. the, <laughs> one, of the, one of the real challenges is that we don't want our pets to die, and they don't live as long as we do, and that's fortunate for most pets because they don't have a good life. Um, but for those of us who provide a good life and really, really, really love our pets, we don't, we really don't want them to die. And we have seen, I've seen some where people, they love, they desperately love their animal and, oh, it's almost pathetic to watch. I mean, this poor animal just wants to die and these people will not. Or they're overfeeding or whatever. Will not let them. Yeah. Well, that's that. But we do that to humans too. Yeah. So I think it's good to have thought through a bit of a plan of what you'll do because you're probably going to do whatever it takes to keep them going. But sometimes it's best to help them to move on. And that's not an easy decision. Um, I was thinking the other day that some of the worst sadness of my life has come from animals that I've loved immensely and, and they've died tragically or they just died of old age. It didn't seem to matter. It was all very, very tough and um, because they're your friends and that's hard to let go of. But I think that we have to really think through what do we want that's best for this animal and, and be a moral code about that and say, look, if the animal is not going to have a healthy life um, or an animal like we had a dog that was getting elderly and we adored that dog. We had rescued her uh, from the animal shelter when she was young and, um, and she was getting very aggressive about food, not with us, but with the other dog. And we had a baby and she was And she crawling. was getting a little senile. Yeah, that's what I mean. She was getting dementia and she uh, was eating and she thought the other dog had come towards the food, but it was the baby and she, the baby crawling, she picked her up by the face and shook her and then immediately was ashamed and came crawling to me. Well, that at that moment, it was clear she has to go to the vet and be put down. That was devastating, absolutely devastating. And I knew we had to do it because we couldn't trust her, and she was ashamed of herself. And then what made it worse was we did take her, and you were in Australia. <laughs> I called up, you go, do you know how much this is costing? I was like, I don't care. i got to talk. But then the next day I took her to be put down, and we came home, and the cat that we had that was also rescued that loved her so had died in the hallway. There was a lot of weeping and wailing that day. Mm-hmm. But again, it's you got to make tough decisions. It's it's important to have that plan and know what you need to do. 
Mm-hmm. And and when all else fails, head to Australia. <laughs> yes. When when all the drama and the trauma is taking place, <laughs> pretty good timing on my part, I thought. Yeah, but, you're uh, like it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> all right. Well, in the last say thirty seconds, what what other words of wisdom? With uh, you've already killed off all the pets, so so what's okay. Don't buy a purebred dog. Go to the animal shelter. There are so many pets there that are longing to be loved. And Rescued Ohio is a wonderful group. And there are groups like that in almost every state and every municipality that are uh, rescuing animals all the time. Um, from We've had a lot of flooding. We've had hurricanes. Everywhere there are animals that are already here on Earth. Don't breed your animal. Let's just pretend that there's no more need, and let's take care of what we have. Well, this is America. We're a, we're a land of mutts. So, anyway, you've been <laughs> listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our Emmy Award-winning producer, Adam Rich, and thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you and your pets, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Get those pets neutered. Play nice with others. Clean up your own mess. And Jay, are you eating vegetables this week? <laughs> uh, with Vitasup. Oh. <laughs> Till okay. next time. Bye bye. Mother Earth will sing and her children will be You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blurockstation.com.